Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. We've been fasting this week. How many people, how are you guys doing on your fast? Yeah, if you're coming in, maybe this is your first time or you haven't been here in a while. Uh, we have corporately been fasting and praying. We, we, uh, um, the Lord put it on my heart to call for a seven-day fast. Uh, we fasted through the Halloween period. I can share you my testimony in regards to the things that I went through this week. But I'm listening because, you know, how many people know that when you got an issue, you call the pastor. (laughs) The levels of attacks that have been upon the body of Christ this past week has been incredible, has been intense. Um, I've I, I have I was challenged to 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 the point. I mean, I hit I hit the boiling point. People don't you know, I'm. I'm still in the flesh. I mean, there's still there's still a part of me that's that's fleshy, and I'm able to handle, you know, uh, people in a certain way. But someone really just got very disrespectful, cursing at me, and 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 like, I mean, I got up, and 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 I presented myself. Wasn't as a holy man. Can can I just be transparent? Huh? I mean, I just got up, this guy came in, cussing, cursing, slamming things down. And I'm using, but for whatever reason, and, and, and the Lord put it, I mean, I know it's because we're praying and fasting. This was a spiritual attack, but there was a hot minute that the flesh man got up, looked at this guy right dead in his eye, like, who the, are you talking to like that? And all of a sudden, it was like... Grab my stuff, jumped into my where are you drove away. Drove away. I know my limitations. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord has showed me. I prayed on it. I I loosed angelic hosts to come into this area to calm these waters. I asked the Holy Spirit to move within the heart of this individual. And I fought this, I could have fought this fight in the flesh. And trust me, I got a lot of confidence in this flesh. But I decided, I decided, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I said, God, because of ignorance, my people suffer. I've been, we've been preaching the spiritual warfare for the past six, seven months. And look at how this devil, this sly, slick little, comes up and really just, This is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And so the testimony and the victory behind that is that 20 minutes later, or maybe it was about 40 minutes later, getting that phone call, I'm sorry. I wasn't screaming at you. It was a situation and all of that and the justification and all of that stuff comes out because, I mean, what can you expect for someone who's in the world? But you know what I had to do? Forgive. Forget about forgiving. There was nothing to forgive. I had to ask him for forgiveness. I had to ask him because normally I can, you know, what was it within me that, put, that, that allowed me to step out of character like that? 
This is so, one of the things that fasting does. It breaks, it breaks the, 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 the physical nature of the flesh, brings those things that are in obscurity. You want to know the areas that you're broken in, where, where you're under construction, where God needs to work in you as an individual? Pray and fast. Pray and fast. We're going to be talking about that, but as we've been praying and fasting, and I recognize how I was under spiritual attack, I was hungry. Forget being hungry. I was hangry. And, you know, being hangry kind of often, you know, makes you reflect. And so I started to reflect. And I'm like, God, you know, you're our substance. You're our sustenance. You're our provider. Lord, Father, God, man shall not live by bread alone. But, man, I'm hungry. Man shall not live by bread alone. But I'm hungry. And all of a sudden, he brought me into the psalm, the 78th chapter, the 24th verse of the book of Psalms. And, and the psalmist was, was in this place, and he was in a place of remembrance. And he said, had rained down manna on them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. And so that's in the, that's in the book of Psalms, but that's reflecting back into the book of Exodus when, when Israel was being pulled out of, of, of the bondage of Egypt. And so they were in the desert place. And being in the desert place, it's like, well, in Egypt, as long, you know, at least they had meals. They, had, they provided, and we weren't thirsty, and we weren't hungry. But now here are we in the desert. And how many people know that when you lose sight of what your resources are, we tend have a tendency of getting a little antsy little nervous right when's the next meal going to come from how am i going to pay the bill where 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 is my next you know uh 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 uh, uh sit down my resources where is it going to come from and then we remember back of israel and we say man if he didn't let them go hungry in the desert but he showed himself to be a provider they, they would wake up in the morning and they didn't even know, but it was like the dew. You ever see grass and, and the leaves and there's like water raindrops on it, the dew? Well, imagine instead of it being dew, they were like wafers of bread. And they were like, you know, they, they had no idea what it was. In fact, because they didn't know what it was, they were like, what is it? What is it? And that's what mana means in, in, in Hebrew. So what is it? They didn't even know what it was, but it was a substance. And it provided for them. It was provision. And it was sustenance. And it rained down from heaven. They found it every morning they got up. But you know what? They could only take as much as they needed for the day. They couldn't take any more. And they wouldn't take any less because of hunger. But just take enough for you for today don't worry about tomorrow i got tomorrow this is what the message that the lord was trying to teach i got tomorrow don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow's gonna have its own issues look at the birds of the air oh my god that sounds like someone the G, the, the the lesson that jesus taught us is that god is able to provide for us he is our provision huh if we try to take more and hoard it what happens to it spoil turns to worms it got wormy it got foul how many people ever look you know looking to make a sandwich you haven't made a sandwich in a while you open the fridge you pull out the bread and it's got like hair growing on it right got perfectly good it happens quick with organic bread well let me um <laughs> only take what you need for your day there's a lesson in that there's a lesson in that. 
John 6, 35 says, For the bread of God, who is, who is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up as we prepare um, to partake in communion. We've been fasting. We've been giving up meals. And you've heard me say, you know, you, you give up a physical meal, but you replace it with a spiritual one. Right? So my lunch period, rather than going to the off, go, going to the cafeteria and eating and spending that time talking and, 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 and uh, uh, fraternizing with some of my coworkers, I'm going to just take a fi find a prayer closet somewhere, find a quiet place. And rather than going to the cafeteria, I'm going to go into a prayer closet. Rather than eating the food from my body, I'm going to eat some food from my spirit. I'm going to replace that physical meal with the spiritual meal and make a sacrifice. Because who's, who's in charge, the belly or the man? Too many of us have made our bellies our idols. Don't have the self-discipline and the self-control to be able to say no to that second dessert. Jesus. But God is able. And He provides us with our sustenance. And as we partake of communion this morning, I want us to remember that we live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As a, as the room resettles, uh, we've been working on a, a sermon series called um, Out of the Book of Ephesians. And so the Lord had asked me and, and deposited me, just I want you to preach through the book of Ephesians. How many people have been enjoying the series? It's been deep. It's been really, yeah? Um, and so we've, been, we've had a couple of mini-series within the series. And so we're, we're, we're in, in concluding uh, one of the mini-series in regards to the full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. And as we come to this, uh, the end of this mini-series, I'm just going to uh, read the... Uh, the verses of scripture, if you would turn your uh, devices, your Bibles, uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to pick it up in verse 10 through 20. The whole armor of God. Amen. Are you ready? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand look at your neighbor and let him know i'm still standing i'm still standing oh sorry <laughs> stand therefore 
having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we've gathered here this morning, we render our hearts to you, Lord. Just lift up the Barrett family and the Baisley family in their time of loss. We ask right now, God, for healing touches to come upon your children, Father God. Even as we lift up Jose and Lisa, we lift up even back um, Jesus Manny, um, we lift up Carla. I pray right now, God, that you would move and release healing virtues wherever they're needed. Whether it be a physical ailment, whether it be an emotional strain. I pray right now, Father God for your will to be done. Unravel and unveil the mysteries of your word. I pray right now that you would open up our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to be able to receive the truths that you have for us to hear this morning. We ask this, oh Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. When we concluded last week, we, we saw that when Christ was tempted in the desert after praying and fasting. And there's a lesson in that because oftentimes it's in the times of praying and fasting that certain things would be revealed. Certain attacks would, act, would almost be permissible and allowed. Those things that are kind of obscure because of all of the distractions, the chatter, the noise, the thoughts that come through your mind, the multitasking, the juggling, all of the things that I got to do and the kids and the job and the work and the house and the cleaning and the food and the meals and all of the things that just, oh my goodness, that just come through. We lose sight. We lose sight of, of the objective. And we can get so caught up doing good things, doing right things, but it may not necessarily be the thing that God is calling you to do at, this, at that time or season. And notice that the devil used scriptures. Listen, the devil knows the Bible. He knows the Bible. But you know what the difference is? The difference is that the, the devil knows the scriptures like you and I would know nonfiction. Pick up a book, a bunch of words, we get a story, it, you know, makes a little bit of sense, we can get some history, we can get some stories out of it, but that's all it is. When we come to Christ, Christ removes the element of sin, eradicates it from, the, from as far as the left, the east is from the west, our sins are remembered no more. And because we've been cleansed, Hallelujah. Because we've been cleansed and sanctified by the righteous blood of Jesus. Something special can take place. 
God is now able to deposit inside of us His Holy Spirit. Eliminate the sin, you make room for the Father. And God comes and He fills these vessels. And it is the Holy Spirit. It is the job and the function of the Holy Spirit to make all mysteries known. It is the job and the function of the Holy Spirit to come and illuminate our hearts and our minds to the truth of God's Word. Now all of a sudden when we grab this book and we begin to read the book, it's not just the words that we're reading, but there are messages and things that God is telling us that are between the lines that you can't even read. Santo. To be able to then read this book through spiritual eyes, God begins to unlock and unravel truths and mysteries. The Bible becomes real and alive. It wasn't that to the devil. He just used it. Did God really say, Eve? Huh? If you are the Son of God, look at the you're so hungry. Come on, turn these breads. Turn these stones into bread. Huh? Look at everything that I'm going to show you. Bow down to me. Worship me. I, all of this I'll give to you. And the, but what did Jesus combat him with? With the word. What's the difference? The devil's completely out of context. The Bible can't mean something today that it didn't mean back then. I could take something out of, I could take a text out of its context, twist it around, make it sound real good. But the fact of the matter is that it, if, if it's not aligned with the heart of God, then it is wrong. It is heresy. It is a lie. And it came from the pit of hell. Jesus, who is the incarnated word, he is the living word of God. God walking amongst us. I mean, I don't even think the devil really knew what, what... I had no clue, no concept. Like, what is this? He was like, manna. What is this? Who is this? Jesus, who happens to be the very scriptures and their fulfillment incarnated, used the scriptures in correct context and application and silenced the voice because truth, you cannot... Combat and fight against truth. Truth is truth. And we spoke about that, right? With the, with the girding our loins. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's not objective truth. It's absolute truth. There are absolute truths that we must adhere to within the scriptures. And we concluded last week that our effectiveness in spiritual warfare has everything to do with our understanding and application of the scriptures. How we wield the sword has to everything to do with how we understand the sword. Do you know the Word of God? Do you know the Word of God? And then it has to do with our knowledge of the Word of God. And then the other side of that coin is, church, how well do you pray? How well do you pray? The 18th verse of this passage of scripture concludes that after we've put on the whole armor of God, after we've donned ourselves with all of the resources that are provided to us to equip us for the battle, it says praying always 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer. Prayer isn't a part of the armament. Prayer isn't one of those things, because remember, I used, I used that illustration of uh, uh, baseball players. All of the baseball players have certain things that they need to put on, right? They all got their uniforms. They all got their jerseys. They're all wearing, well, you think they're wearing a jocks. Their protection, the things that they, you know, they have to wear, the belt, the belt. You need a belt in order to keep everything together. But between sessions, between innings, right, depending on what they're going to go out to the field to do, they, they either take up their gloves and they take their balls and their gloves and they go out to the field. That's a resource as part of their uniform, but they don't, they don't always wear it. They sometimes wear it. Sometimes they got to come back and put the gloves on and they take up their bats. And so that's the illustration in regards to the whole armor of God. There are things that you do not leave your house without putting on. And depending on throughout the course of the day, you may be find yourself in a certain situation. Oh, hold on a second. I'm getting attacked here. I need a shield. Be able to quench the fiery darts, all of those arrows at the, you know, I need something to pick that up. Boom, boom. My faith, my faith is going to shield me. My faith is going to shield me. Sometimes we got to put that, put, put the shield down and pull out the, for there is no weapon against me that shall prosper. For my God is able and willing to deliver and do above all that I could ever imagine or think. Sometimes we got to pull out that sword and cut some things up. Cut some things up. But prayer, we got to use prayer in all of that. Prayer becomes the vehicle. Huh? It becomes the vehicle that we utilize in order to unlock the spiritual dimension and gate and be able to enter into an area that we normally would not be able to enter in. Just because we can't see it, just because we can't taste it, just because we can't touch it, doesn't mean that it's not real, that it's not there. And the fact of the matter is that as real as all of this can be around us, it's all but a fleeting moment. Because all of this is going to be destroyed. But prayer activates. Prayer moves. Prayer unlocks and carries Charles C. Converse. I'm going to go back. I'm going to date myself back a little bit. 1868. Okay, so maybe I wasn't around when he wrote it. But he wrote this awesome song. I just want to sing the first chord. Okay, I won't sing it. I'll, I'll, I'll spare y'all. <laughs> we were at the worship conference yesterday. It was terrible. My team, my team. My team sitting all around me, behind me, Pazzo. All of a sudden, they're talking about the giftings and the, of the singing. And the, my entire team was like, yo, Pazzo, you stick to preaching. Don't worry about it, though. Yo. I'm like, man. <laughs> it roasted me good yesterday. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear 
All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What is it to pray? Why does it seem to always be our last resort rather than our first? Why is it that we got to come to the end of ourselves before we can actually engage God and bring God into the equation? And then, then the question has to beg, it begs to be asked. Why is it that it seems that some prayers work and others don't? Why is it that some are answered and others are not? And last but not least, what makes prayer in the Spirit different than regular prayer? Huh? The word prayer in, in the Greek um, is, is, is a progressive word. It starts with the noun uh, UK, prayer to God that also includes making a vow. That means that, you, you know, it's giving him a word, your word. The word expands to the verb uh, ukomai, uh, which is a special term describing an invocation or a request. When, when you're making an entreaty to someone. And if you add prose to the front of it, then it's in the direction of. Prose in the direction of God. It's an entreaty, an invocation, a request, which includes me making a vow. pro yuxomai is the most frequent word used for prayer in the New Testament. pro yuxomai Pray literally means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes and ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith, divine persuasion. Accordingly, prayer, proyuxomai, is closely interconnected with a Greek word that's called pistis, which is faith. And they almost go hand in hand. Like you can't have the one without the other it's almost like two sides of the same coin you're not going to pray unless you have faith and the fact of the matter is that you really can't obtain faith unless you pray they go hand in hand one drives the other prayer and faith one cannot pray if one does not have faith and you cannot have faith unless you have prayed. The prayer that you need to pray is, Oh my God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I appropriate your blood over my sins that you can set me free. Once that prayer has been done, faith is enacted when we feel the deliverance, when we feel the freedom to come upon us. Now all of a sudden the prayer led us into faith and faith leads us into more prayer. Santo. The first thing that I want to make mention that prayer is not a matter of words, it's a matter of heart. A lot of people that can pray, they sound real nice. Proverbs 10, 19, 21 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Think God is looking to hear the words 
Or do you think God already knows the word since he knows your heart? It's out of the abundance of the heart that a man... So the fact of the matter is that it's not prayer is not enacted based upon my words, but it's based upon the heart that I render before the Lord. A broken spirit and a contrite heart he will not despise. Matthew 6, 5, and 8, Jesus taught us a great lesson in regards to prayer when he saw these religious leaders, you know, standing up in the squares and, oh, Lord, Father, God, saying, and God, you know, people, you know, you sometimes you get that guy that puts on his, you know, the preacher voice. It sounds all of a sudden a lot more holy if he could drop down a couple of vessels. And God said. Jesus, he said, you know what? Put all those pretensions, all that nonsense down and to the side. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites. I love that Greek word. It, it gives the connotation of the theatrical actors that would throw their voices. They would put masks on. They have these little kind of voice print. You're, 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 you're pretending to be something that you're not. Don't be like those people. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You know, their wrong lobes and their cross bling and, you know, just a holy man of God. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. Huh? How many parents in the house? Mom, pop, you need, you need somebody to tell you when your kids need a new pair of sneakers? <laughs> Come on. You, you need somebody to tell you when you should feed your child? No, right? There's something that's an instinctively already there. We as parents, we're looking out for our children. Our kids don't have to turn around. I mean, you know, they, they do at some point. They become somewhat independent. Um <laughs> But, but for the most part, we as parents, we're already looking and we're already foreseeing. We already know, oh, you know what? You got a party coming up next week, the end of the year party. We, I, parents are already buying the, the gift bags and whatever brownies and, you know, uh, we're, we're ahead. We're ahead of that. How much more is God not ahead of us? You think that he does not know what we need? You think that he does not know what your situation is financially? What your situation is within your home? It is not his intention just to save you and leave it there. He's a generational God. He wants to save you and save the seed that follows you and save the sibling that lives on the other side of town. He wants to save. He knows. He knows. There's nothing that we're going to bring to God that's going to surprise him. 
When we pray, let's not be hypocritical and let's not get drowned out in, in the words we use and, oh, you know, he's so theologically correct and, you know, the hermeneutical principles of his prayer life. It, come on. God just wants us to be able to go to him. God, I need help. God, I'm at the end of myself right now. God, I'm feeling so dark and so in such a place, and, and I just need, Lord Father God, to feel your presence. And all of a sudden, if we could just enter into an attitude of worship before him, turn on K-Love, go into your Pandora, you know, grab your worship station and, and, and get out of yourself and get into him. Whew, that's a word for somebody. Get out of yourself and step into him. And watch how everything changes in your life. The second thing I want to kind of point out is that it's a matter of where you spend your time. Prayer becomes a matter of where you spend your time. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, that's a big promise, man. That's a big promise. And we got to really kind of unpack this so that we know the parameters and limitations that, that contained. The first one I want to point out is that Jesus said, if you will abide in me. Abide doesn't mean to like kind of hang out and spend some time around someone. I love fellowship. I love hanging out. We can, we can, but you know, I mean, this is just for a, a, a short time. We can hang out and spend some time together. But guess where I go? After I leave, I go home. Where do we all go? Home. Always go back home. Abiding has to do not where you're spending your time, but where you are living. Abiding is not where you hang out. It's about where you reside. To abide in Christ means to live in Him. That means at all times... 24-7, being aware of his presence in our lives. I know, you know, my, I came up Catholic, and so, you know, we had the whole fear of God thing, the whole, you know, guilt and uh, God's watching. You've you got to be careful. And, yeah, God is always watching. But it's not, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't strike fear inside of us. It should strike comfort and hope. God, you are watching. And the more I'm aware of your presence in my life, the more I'm able to tap into the resources that you're willingly, wantingly able to provide for me. How awesome is that? Where are we spending our time? Are we spending our time in his presence? Or, or are we spending our time in the world and only entering in his presence when we want his ear. Our prayer life's got to be a continual, constant communication and awareness that God is able and he's around. Oh, God, forgive me for every time, you know, there's, there's traffic and, and I see a car pulled over. Maybe there was an accident and I'm trying to get to where I need to go and I'm trying to get there quickly. God, forgive me. Because really, what we need to do 
is be praying for their family. Lord, Father, God, I just pray right now, give charge of your angels over them. Let no injury be known. If they do not know you, give them an opportunity to know you, Lord, Father, God. I pray right now, lift up the first responders to you. I pray, God, that their training would come into their remembrance, that they would be able to provide the highest level of care in this situation. I pray right now, oh, Father, God, for your will to be done. Whatever the devil intended for evil, oh, Father, God, I know according to your word, you can turn around and utilize it for your good our prayer life ought to be a constant connection to the heavenlies let's live there and not here amen the third thing that i wanted to kind of go over it's not a matter of words it's a matter of heart it's a matter of where we spend our time and this one's so simple but sometimes it's almost the hardest. For us, you gotta ask. You gotta ask. God wants this relationship with you. Come and let us reason together. Come to me. I can provide. You don't need to go ask the, 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 the soothsayers and, and, and go to get your hand read. And, and Come. I will tell you concerning all things. I hung the stars in the skies. I know the end is the beginning. And the beginning is the end. There is nothing that is hidden from me. Why do we frustrate ourselves often in times just walking in obscurity when God wants to give us his clarity? Matthew 7, 7, 11 says, Ask, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and he who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? ask I said it before we often wait to the last minute the last resort we come to the end of ourselves before coming to God and making our petition and our request known I say if we practice the presence of God A.W. Tozer put in a great book practicing the presence of God if we are to practice the presence of God and be able to live and dwell with Him and allow His words to dwell in us, take residence, be comfortable, you know, to abide. I mean, I want to be able to come home and, and sit on the couch and kick my feet up. Well, don't tell Eunice. But, you know, I mean, I want to be able to get comfortable. I want my lazy boy. Hey. To abide is, is, is to sit back and, and get comfortable in a place where you're residing, your residence. If we allow his word to abide in us, could you imagine that the word of God be so comfortable inside of you that anything you speak of would be dawned and seasoned with the word of God? As we counsel and speak to one another, 
You don't have to quote Matthew 24, 35. I mean, just look at a person. Man, what's going on? You, you look heavy. Yeah, is that what you're going through? You know what the scripture says, man? Listen, boom, boom. And all of a sudden now, let me pray for you, my brother. Wow. Just lift it up. Just lift it up. Matthew 21, 22 says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Hallelujah. God does not require you to have great faith. You simply have to have faith in a great God. <laughs> Do you believe he is able to, church? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got like five pages worth of notes <laughs> left, but I'm going to leave this here because next week... Next week, we're going to get into prayer in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. <sighs> this this faith-based prayer that's directed, energized, and sustained by the Holy Spirit Himself. When we're able to get out of ourselves, praying in the Spirit would remove and break all physical shackles. Praying in the Spirit moves and manifests the presence of God. Praying in the Spirit allows the gates of heaven to open and for the miraculous to take place. The prayer in the Spirit is prayer that is unctioned, has power, has an anointing that flows. Prayer in the Spirit often is not even uttered with words that we can understand. Prayer in the Spirit is to truly be completely abandoned and surrendered unto God and allowing Him, giving Him the space to come in and reside in you. Praying in the Spirit, we lose track of time. Praying in the Spirit, there's no obstacle too great. Oh my God, prayer in the Spirit is speaking unto that mountain to be cast out onto the sea. And knowing that God is able to do it. So I pray that you would be able to join us next week as we continue prayer and prayer in the spirit. And then we're going to kind of get into fasting a well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Do you know him by name? Have you received salvation and been delivered? Have, have you felt that freedom that comes or is there still weight upon your shoulders? Or are there still certain behaviors and worldly patterns that hold you back? I, I'm asking you, a, a simplest way I can put it is, is, God forbid if you were to walk out this building right now and, and, and get hit by a truck. Do you know where your soul is going to go? Do you have the confidence and the reassurance of knowing that this day you will be in paradise with Him? That's the confidence, and that confidence is possible and it's able, but we have, to, we have to request it. We have to ask for it. If you're here this morning and you don't know him this way, and you want to know him this way, can, can you just raise your hand? I just want to see your hand. Let me, give me an opportunity to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I see that hand. God is able. God is able. Would you stand with me this morning, church? And we're going to pray and we're going to pray out. 
And remember, these aren't an incantation. It, it isn't a series of words that we would utilize. But it's a heart. It's a heart issue. It's not words issue. It's a heart issue. It's not a place issue. It's an abiding issue. It's an asking issue. So would you pray with me this morning? Dear God, I thank you for the word this morning. And I thank you for your presence in our lives. I come before you acknowledging that I fall short of your holiness. I am a sinner, oh God. And I need a Savior. And I thank you for Jesus. You're a Messiah. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I apply myself into His hands. Forgive me, God, for everything I've ever done, said, or thought that goes contrary to you. And I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me from the inside out that I could be set free and receive the confidence of my salvation in Jesus mighty name amen and amen and amen the Lord bless and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace I bless you church in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit amen the Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.